Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Chronic Fatigue and Burnout Recovery Podcast. Today I'm going to be talking about mindset and fatigue recovery. And just before I go into the content for today, I want to say that it is pouring with rain outside and there are these rain showers which are hammering the windows in my office where I record this podcast. So I do apologize if there is some rain noise in the background. Perhaps it could be um, soothing and help you take in everything I have to share with you today. And so just wanted to say that before we get going. The other thing um, I wanted to start with was I mention and I drop in a lot about the nervous system when I run these episodes of the podcast. And it's really hard these days because of my nervous system training to separate nervous system work from mindset work because they are so closely interlinked. We have the mind, we have the body, and we have the mind and body, which are um, in bi-directional communication with each other. And so it's really hard for me to deliver a podcast on mindset only, but I'm going to do my best to do that today, just to pull out some more cognitive concepts, some more mindset concepts, which might be useful for you in your fatigue recovery journey. I will probably still end up talking about the nervous system just a little bit here and there, but I won't be spending too much time on the nervous system today. If you haven't already listened to some of my more nervous system focused episodes, you can always go and listen to those as well. So where I would like to start is talking a little bit about the triune brain model. And the triune brain model is a basic construct for understanding brain function. And I appreciate as I'm saying this, this probably already sounds very complicated and very technical. So I'd just like you to stay with me for a few moments here. This will be as technical as it gets today. Um, But when we look at the triune brain model or the concept of the triune brain model, This is where the brain is broken down into three main areas. We have the first being the neocortex, the second being the limbic brain, and the third area being the reptilian brain. So the neocortex governs language, it governs cognition, it governs reasoning and voluntary movement. So movement we would make voluntarily. And I would argue here as well, this includes voluntary breath patterns. So when we're choosing, I'm going to breathe in for four, out for six, or in for four, hold for four, out for four, hold for four. Those are voluntary breath patterns where we're Um, governing our breath using the neocortex. Then the second part of the triune brain model was the limbic brain. And the limbic brain governs emotions. It also governs our attachment and our expression of emotions and also things like motivation and drive. 
And then the third part is the reptilian brain. And this governs those unconscious automatic processes that are happening constantly in the body, like digestion, reproduction, circulation, involuntary breathing compared to controlled breathing and the execution of our survival responses, fight, flight, or freeze. So when we're looking at the nervous system and when we're looking at somatic work, we're working a lot with the unconscious mind, the unconscious brain, the reptilian brain, and we're working a lot in sensation. It's nonverbal. And somatic work is really about bringing more connection to the neocortex, the limbic brain, and the reptilian brain, so that all of those different parts of this triune brain model come back online, and they're integrated, and they're working together as a collective whole. So when we're using mindset work, and mindset work only, we're only working with the neocortex, which means we can achieve enough to a certain extent using the neocortex, but it's when we combine maybe some mindset work with some somatic work, we get this integration. And in, in my belief and in my way of working, we get greater healing. But for the purposes of today, I'm going to focus on the mindset work alone. And as I said, there'll be little bits of that reptilian brain work, that somatic work that I'll weave into this. And before I move into some of these mindset principles I want to share with you, it's also what I also wanted to mention was this idea of top down versus bottom up approaches. So when we're talking about top down, we're talking about brain to body. And when we're talking about bottom up, we're talking about body to brain. So somatic work tends to work with the body and then the communication signals that the body is sending up to the brain, which we would refer to as afferent communication. And actually about 80 to 90% of communication that's happening is happening afferently from body to brain. But we do also get top-down control. We do also have signals which are sent from the brain to the body, and that's known as efferent communication. And that's about 10 to 20% of the communication that's happening in the body. So you can see here that mindset work is important. Mindset work can be very powerful, but if we only do mindset work, we're missing out on 80 to 90% of our opportunity to heal. And this is why talking only therapy or talking therapy doesn't always necessarily help people realize their true potential to heal. Um, and, and it's not to negate the benefits of talking therapy. I know lots of people who have done talking therapy and found it really helpful. There are so many different ways we can access healing. But the reason I wanted to share this understanding with you in this episode today is so that you know there are more possibilities to explore your potential. If you feel like something is missing in your healing journey, if you've been doing lots of work on your physical body and you've been doing maybe talking therapy or cognitive behavioral therapy or different types of psychotherapy, um, there might be this other piece, which is that body to brain, the afferent communication piece, which is missing. And maybe your body now, because of all the work you've already done, is so primed 
and ready to roll with this um, more bottom-up approach. So I wanted to start by framing that because I do think it's important as I talk about mindset to understand that mindset work integrated with body work, in my opinion, is one of the most powerful ways to move forward with your healing journey. So let's look at some mindset principles together. And where I would like to start is with a quote. I know I have mentioned this quote before on this podcast, but we know that the the body and the brain learn through repetition. So I always think it's good to hear things a few times. And the quote is, to achieve something you have never achieved before, you must become someone that you have never been. And what we're really referring to and really looking at here is this idea of an identity shift. If you're someone who is in a chronic illness experience at the moment and you want to be well, you want to have a wellness experience or an experience of more health or vitality in your life, there is an identity shift that needs to happen. And here I also want to be very sensitive and say that this is not a case of just willing yourself to change your identity and expecting that everything will heal. Because I know from my own journey and witnessing the journey of others that that's not true. Sometimes there are very important physical things that need to be appropriately addressed through a doctor or a healthcare professional so that we can move forward with our health and our healing. But for the purposes of today, just to keep it simple, I'm going to stay in the realms of mindset work so I don't get pulled down too many little rabbit holes and too many tangents. But please hold space for the fact that there may be other physical work that needs to be done alongside the mindset work. So there's an identity shift that needs to happen. And when I first learned this concept of this idea of the change in identity that is required. This was through a neurostrategies training that I did with Steve Linder, which was absolutely brilliant. So Steve Linder used to be one of the um, trainers in the Tony Robbins Foundation and then sort of broke off from the Tony Robbins Foundation and set up his own educational training, which is his neurostrategies training, which is the training that I took. Absolutely brilliant, absolutely incredible man. So, so knowledgeable in the realms of neuro-linguistic programming and you know, his framework, which he created, which is neurostrategies. Anyway, I digress. When I did the training with Steve Linda, this was, I believe it was 2018. I stand corrected on that, 2017, 2018. So a good sort of five years ago. And at that point in time, this deeper understanding of the nervous system wasn't on my radar. And now with the understanding I have of the nervous system and then layering it over this neurostrategies work, my understanding of it is that the identity shift is really a shift in the calibration of the nervous system. And so we know that there's lots of different ways we can influence the nervous system. And some of those ways are brain to body. So efferent communication, messages that we're sending from the top down using our language, using reasoning, using cognition, using voluntary breathing, voluntary movement. 
So that's where I'm going to stay today, but also know that we can shift our identity from the bottom up by doing the somatic work as well. So I feel like that's a lot already. I can experience myself taking a big breath. And so where I want to go with this idea of an identity is to really ask you, and if it's helpful for you to pause and reflect and ask yourself, now that you're having this illness experience, and I use the word illness experience because that's what it is. You are experiencing an illness. It's not necessarily who you are, but your illness experience may have become interwoven with who you believe that you are, your identity. So now that you're having this illness experience, what is your identity? And this is a really big question. And I appreciate if you're listening to this podcast, it might be tempting just to go, whoa, that's big, that's too much. The nervous system goes into a little overwhelm, a little bit of freeze, a little bit of shutdown, and we either just keep listening and not really think about it, or we'll turn the podcast off. And whichever you choose is absolutely fine. But what I would invite you to do is, even if you don't feel resourced enough to answer this question now, or the only answer you can come up with is, I don't know, then acknowledge that not being able to answer this now is also just a reflection of where your nervous system is at at the moment. But there is an answer here. And give, maybe you can write the question down. Now that I'm having an illness experience, what is my identity? And just keep coming back to it and see if you can find an answer to that question. Do you identify as a sick person? Is your identity wrapped up in your health? What you have to do each day to look after yourself, the different appointments you have to go to, the different medications you have to take, the different supplements you have to take, where all your money is being spent because of your health, the things that you can no longer do. Is your identity all wrapped up there? Or do you identify as a healthy person? Um, are you just a healthy person on the inside having an illness experience? So again, just be gentle with yourself as you assess this. It, there's no right or wrong. There's no way that you should be at this point in time. I just want to bring some of these concepts into your awareness because they can be very powerful. So here I'll use the example. Um, Last year, um, I, I remember I went out to lunch with my husband and we were having this conversation about if you were a dog, which dog would you be? But I had to tell Ben which dog he would be and he had to tell me which dog I would be. And so we we're having this conversation and I think I, I called Ben a golden retriever and he called me a border collie. And we had to say the reasons why. Um, and I think for the golden retriever, I said something like, oh, you know, because you're soft and loyal and grounded and calm. And these are just, I don't have a golden retriever, but when I see them, that's just the feeling I get. Um, and Ben's family actually has always had border colleagues. Uh, his dad was world champion at one point in time, not world champion, European champion, I think, for um, dog agility. So he's always grown up with like loads and loads of border collies. I think they had the seven or eight at one point in time. 
Anyway, I digress. And um, he said, oh, because, you know, they're sort of very, border collies are very energized and um, they need a lot of exercise and they're very intelligent and switched on and sharp and fast. And he said, that's you. I obviously took that as a massive compliment, but at that time in, in my energy wasn't anywhere where it is now and I wasn't doing anywhere as much as what I'm doing now. And I said, oh, that's really interesting that you, you say that because obviously that's not some of the experiences that I'm having right now. I probably didn't use that language, but you can see where I'm going with this. And he said, no, but that's how you are on the inside. And so what he was really referring to in this um, in this example was that was kind of the undercurrent of my being, the undercurrent of the set point within my nervous system and the undercurrent of my identity, this person who's very, I would say, alive on the inside. And here's where I want to say that even when your health isn't where you want it to be, you can still connect with your aliveness. You can still connect with the life force inside of your body. And part of healing is to be able to connect with those parts of you, those parts of you that have maybe become lost or shut down or dampened or blocked or frozen or stuck. There's many different words we could use here, but reawakening those parts, reconnecting to those parts. And essentially this is nervous system work that we, that we would use to do that. But I'm just really wanting to communicate the concept in the context of this podcast today, which is that health is not the absence of disease. And that was a very important line I learned from when I did my very first trauma-informed training is health is not the absence of disease. You can get people who are quote, quote, healthy because they're not sick, but they can be dead inside or their life force, their vitality, their sense of connection to self is dampened or stark or frozen, just like any person with a chronic disease may experience. But we can also get people who are experiencing a chronic disease or a chronic illness who are very connected to their inside life force and vitality. And that mindset shift, if we bring it back to this idea of mindset, is going to be a really important foundation for your healing. And here's why. Identity is the strongest force in the human nervous system. So who you believe that you are is who you shall be. And we will always revert back to being in congruence with our identity. So if we believe that we are broken, if we believe we are alone, if we believe there's something wrong with us, if we believe that we're ill, if we believe that we're stuck, we believe that we're frozen, and I could go on and on and list all sorts of different experiences that you may be having right now. If that's who we believe that we are as an identity, we will stay in the energetic field of that and we'll constantly be operating in congruence of, with that. And as we operate in congruence with that, we get more of the same. But if we can shift our identity 
to identifying as someone who is well, someone who is vibrant, someone who is alive, irrespective of the symptoms that we may hold in our body, then we can start to expand the possibilities in life and expand our experiences in life and maybe get a little bit of healing, whatever that looks like to you. So with this understanding in mind, let me bring it now a bit more to a practical level. What can you do about this? Well, the first thing we want to do is acknowledge that awareness is the first stage of change. So when I asked you, who do you believe that you are? Who, what is your identity or how do you identify? Those were important questions for setting the stage for just understanding where are you in this picture that I've painted? Are you someone who is identifying as someone who is sick and then capping the possibility there? Or are you someone who identifies as being well and or even if not well, bigger than the illness you are experiencing? And in doing so, you create the possibility for more from that place. So that's the first sort of awareness and something to take your time and be gentle with yourself as you reflect on that. The next thing is to really get clear on what we want. So whenever I work with a new one-on-one -on -one client for the first time, we do quite a comprehensive goal setting process. And that's actually really important part that that is a really important part of the journey because I'm helping people to connect with where they're going I'm helping them to see possibility and I'm also helping them to connect with what they want instead of what they don't want and it's also helping me to make an assessment of where this nervous system is set at because if I'm asking someone about their goals and they're saying, I don't want to feel like this, I don't want to feel like this, this is how I'm feeling each day, I wake up in the morning and I'm aching and um, I'm tired and I have brain fog, I can already tell that I've asked them what they want, but they're just telling me about where they're stuck. There's a lack of an ability to see past that. So then I know that that's something we're going to want to work on is expanding possibility within their nervous system. So the most important thing here is getting clear on where you're going, what you're looking towards, where you want to expand to, and setting that focus in a positive light. I want more energy. I want to wake up in the morning and have a clear head. I want to have the resilience to manage more stress in my life. I want to have that little bit of extra oomph to play with my kids. Um, you know, whatever it might be for you, we want to frame it in the positive, where we're going, where we're heading towards, what we're looking towards, because where our focus goes, our energy will flow. So do we want energy to be flowing towards what's wrong, what we don't have, where we're stuck, or do we want our energy to focus on where we can expand? So that will be the first principle, get clear on what you want. And again, there's an encouragement here to take a moment, pause the audio, write some of that down. When we write it down, it can really start to embed into our being. The second thing is who would you need to be to have this to achieve this goal if your goal is to have more energy and vitality and life force who would you need to be and that's an identity question again and then just kind of going a layer deeper with this is how would it feel in your body to be that person to have that identity whatever it is for you and this is where again you can pause the audio and you can actually 
sense into your body and see how it would feel if you imagine yourself being the person who has already achieved her goals, who's already recovered her health and energy and vitality and is doing all the things in their life that they want to do. How does it feel? And then finally, what are the actions, behaviors, practices, beliefs, and values you can cultivate in this moment that will bring you closer towards that today? So the way that I phrase that is really important because if you say, oh, well, I want to be able to run a 5K and at the moment you can just walk around the block and then I ask you, what are the actions that you can cultivate to move you closer towards that? And you, and you say, well, I'll go out and run a 5K, just push through that, that is changing behavior before we change identity. So if we change our behavior before we change identity, it's only a matter of time before we go back to how we were before. And kind of just bringing in this example again, if you were to just push through and go and run a 5K and you knew you could use your willpower, muscle your way through, your body's going to send you a very different message afterwards, right? There's going to be PEM, you may be going to go back to bed for a week, you may relapse in your recovery, you may lower your baseline, there's multiple different consequences. So you're going to get a very strong message that you used push and force energy instead of the energy of the person who has already achieved the goal. Because the energy of the person who has already achieved the goal, i.e. that identity of yourself in the future, that person wouldn't do stupid stuff. <laughs> that person wouldn't push their body um, or, or force their body to heal at a pace that is faster than what the body can cope with in that moment. The person who has already reached the goal knows that they need to meet the body where it's at instead of ignore, deny, push through or invalidate. So as you can see that we want to hold that idea of all the qualities that you would need to embody to realize your healing and then take that energy of the future self or I call it the healing self and bring that energy into the here and now. So then the healing self needs to make some decisions. And I'll just give some examples here. So if we if we have this idea of identity and the identity is someone who is well and thriving and also really attuned to their needs and attuned to how to meet the needs of their nervous system. If you were that person today in this very moment, what actions would you take? And that's not the action of pushing through and running around the block like I described, but it might be what, would, what advice would you give to your current self? So maybe it would just be, you need to slow down. You need to take a break. You need to take the pressure off. Um, you know, there may be even some more like directive advice, like you really need to start that diet that the nutritional practitioner recommended. You've been dragging your heels and still eating the food you know doesn't help you. Um, but if you were your future self, you would know that it's important to eat the food that nourishes your body and aligns your physiology. Or maybe you're not asking for support 
whether that's support in your life or support from practitioners and maybe you if you were that future self you wouldn't know you can't do this alone you need to stop carrying the burden all on your own and you need to ask for help whether that's help from appropriately qualified professionals or help from the people around you that love you and then so those are actions we may also have behaviors so here it might be well if you were that future identity you would allow yourself to slow down when you needed it you would allow yourself to take up space you would allow yourself to ask for what you need you would set better boundaries you would say no when you meant no and sometimes you also need to learn to say yes we get so used to saying no i can't do that no i'm not sure how i'm gonna feel no i don't think i'll be able to keep up no i don't think i'll be able to manage that but over time we get so used to keeping our world small when we can say yes we don't and so maybe it's like yes i will give that a go yes i think i could meet you for a coffee or whatever it might be so there may be more openness to expansion instead of just shutting down with the no no no's all the time of course when it's appropriate to say no we need to say no and set boundaries as well what practices may you have so if you were already your future self what practices would you be implementing and it would probably be practices that connect you to you so that you can honor you it's difficult to honor something we're not connected to and it may be practices that help you check in with your beliefs and ground and may you may have practices which help you support your nervous system and then in terms of beliefs what beliefs would you have so if you were that future identity now what would you believe well you would believe that it's possible to heal and be well and there may be multiple other beliefs but essentially you would believe that you are somebody whose body can thrive and here i just like to touch on if that feels like a very inaccessible belief for you right now this is where i think drawing in that understanding of the nervous system is really important so we do want to understand that sometimes we need shifts to happen in the nervous system before we can welcome in new beliefs because sometimes beliefs that we want to change on a cognitive level may not feel safe to hold in the body but on a more practical mindset level you could help to shift beliefs by finding what we call expanders so expanders are maybe people who have been through something similar to you that show you what's possible so recovery stories and i've said this multiple times on the podcast is that um you know sometimes we can watch recovery stories and be a little bit judgy i know i was definitely judgy i'm like well that person's 10 years younger than me well that person only had a post viral fatigue and that's not the same as what i'm going through or that person had more financial resources or whatever the situation may be and so see if you can find recovery stories that are approximate to your experience but also be mindful of that little inner critic who's kind of judging and criticizing so that you don't actually have to believe and that's a very sneaky one we can also look at evidencing so maybe there was a time in the past where you didn't think something was possible 
and then you achieved it, whatever that might be. It may have been a physical goal where you never thought you could run a marathon and then you did, or you never thought you would get a particular job and, and then you did, or you never thought you'd be able to get a degree and then you did. So maybe there's things in the past that you believed weren't possible and then you went on to achieve them. And there's no reason why something like this could be any different. And then finally, just gathering evidence for on, on a daily level. So are there small things happening day to day which show you that you are moving in the direction of embodying this new identity, embodying this future self? And that may be, oh yeah, I did. I started that new diet and I've been doing it now three days in a row. Or I set a boundary and I asked for support or I'm taking the time to listen to this podcast and actually write some notes. So if you can, on a daily basis, even if you just say for the next 30 days, I'm going to get a little notebook and I'm just going to write down as much evidence as possible that shows me that I'm changing, even if it is just the smallest thing where we place our focus is where energy will flow. And I liken this, um, the analogy I like to use with clients is this idea of a table with some legs. And if the tabletop is the belief that you're trying to support, and then the legs of the table uh, are the little pieces of evidence, you'll have a much sturdier table when you have more legs. If you've got a table, but there's just one leg, it's going to fall over, right? Your belief is going to fall flat. But the more you can support your belief with all the little legs, all the little pieces of evidence and support, it gets stronger and stronger and stronger over time. And then we know we put things on tables. So then it's going to be more sturdy and stable. So you can start to build and place other things on top. This idea of stabilizing and building foundations coming through again. So those are just some little tips if you find self-belief hard. Then there's just a couple more things I wanted to touch on. The next was values. So if you are this future self, if you are this future identity, what are your values? And are you living from a place of alignment with those values now? So the way that I describe values to clients is kind of like the um, training lanes in a bowling alley, a bowling alley, excuse me. So if you've done 10 pin bowling before, you'll know you can, you know, you roll your bowling ball and it can go down the gutters and then you don't hit the pins, but you can put up the training lanes, which means that the ball will bounce off the sides of the alley and then you're much more likely to head in the direction that you're going. So if your values are those training lanes, our values in life keep us in alignment with where we, so that we can go where we want to go. And that means that you now in this current moment, you want to start living in alignment with the values of that future healed self. And so I, I'm just going to make some up, but I would imagine that that self values their health, values their energy, values their aliveness, and their choices support all of those things on a daily basis. And here's where you can check in is, are my choices that I'm making on a daily basis in alignment with where I'm going, or are they just keeping me stuck? And again, take some time to reflect on that. 
And so the final piece where I'd like to wrap things up for today is to talk about this idea of state or way of being. And I appreciate if this idea of identity is feels a little bit foreign, you're not quite sure how to connect with the idea of identity, what does it actually mean? The best way that I would describe it is it's an embodiment. So it's a it's a state, it's a way of being. And we become the embodiment of our identity from the inside out, which means that something needs to change. And this is where ultimately on a nervous system level, something needs to change. But from a more mindset-y type level, if we're looking at this idea of top-down communication, our internal state is created by our physiology, our language, and our focus. So we've talked a little bit about focus already today. We've talked about having this vision and connection to where you're going. Are you focusing on what's not working? Are you focusing on your pain? Are you focusing on feeling invalidated? Are you focusing on feeling under-supported? Are you focusing on feeling gaslit? Are you focusing on what you can't do? And not to say there's not a place to hold the pain of all those experiences, because I do think that's important as well. But where do you place the most focus? Or are you placing your focus on where you're heading, how the things you can do, the things that you want to be able to do? Do you see yourself doing those things in the future? So that's where focus um, comes into our state. When we focus on the things we don't have or the things we don't like or the things that we can't do, it keeps, it, it changes the, the nervous system's experience. But when we focus on potential, and the things we can do and we're already achieving and gathering all those little pieces of evidence that I spoke about, that creates a more expansive feeling in the body and in the nervous system. So we can consciously using the brain direct our focus to influence the nervous system and that changes our state and we're more embodied with the identity that we want. Then we've got language. So language is one of the things that the neocortex governs. And here we want to be careful about the language that we use. I am sick. I have chronic fatigue. I have a chronic illness versus I'm experiencing a chronic illness. I'm recovering from a chronic illness. I'm having a chronic fatigue experience. Those sentences are very similar, but they're different. And the one is much more suggestive of this is something that is part of me and it's stuck here. And the other is this is something which is transient and in flow in my life. And it's part of my current experience, but it doesn't define who I am. So the language that we use, I've just given a very small example, but we want the language we use to be empowering. Then finally, physiology. So we can control our physiology using the neocortex, which thing with things like voluntary movement or voluntary breath patterns. So when we use breathwork practices and that helps us feel more calm, or we use voluntary movement and then we feel more grounded, those are ways that we're controlling the body from the top down. We can also control our physiology by getting the right nutrients in our diet by 
balancing our blood sugar, by getting enough sleep, by cutting back on caffeine. So all the things we would do sort of more practically in the realms of functional medicine, those are managing physiology. And when we manage our physiology, so we remove the physiological stress from the body because the body is more supported and balanced, then we are facilitating a more empowered state. We're facilitating a state which aligns with the identity of the healed or I don't really like the word healed because I think healing is just a continuous journey, but the healing self. So this is, and I'm going to just mention here, this is where I often get asked, oh, Anna, can you explain the link between functional medicine and then the nervous system? And, And this is it, is that when we're doing those kind of practical elements of functional medicine, we're changing physiology. But when we change physiology, that contributes to the overall state of the body as does tending to the needs of the nervous system. And when the state of the body changes, then we are able to facilitate more healing. So then finally is from a nervous system perspective is we can get stuck. We can get stuck on in sort of sympathetic dominance, or we can get stuck off in the sort of freeze, shut down, immobility experience. So if we are stuck on or stuck off, Either way, we're stuck in a survival state. And from a cognitive perspective, we can use physiology, we can use language, we can use focus to shift our state, but we may need some nervous system work there as well to help shift our state so that then our state can align with the identity of the self we are moving towards. And in doing so, we realize more health and more healing. So... That brings me to the end of this episode on mindset and fatigue recovery today. Obviously, this is not just for fatigue, it's for any sort of chronic illness experience. And I'll finish off just saying two more things. The first thing is just a a summary, which is this idea of understanding that to achieve something you've never achieved before, you must become someone you've never been. And that becoming of someone you've never been means that there has to be an identity shift that takes place and ultimately what happens when that identity shift takes place is there there is a change in our state our way of being which obviously our emotional states are transient throughout the day but the kind of home frequency that i like to refer to for the getting all tongue-tied the home frequency is what i like to refer to it as shifts um so there's a sort of upgrade in your day-to-day experience and that is what is ultimately required to move forwards and we can control that from the top down using mindset by harnessing some of these tools like focus like language like consciously managing movement and breath like looking at our beliefs and our values and then generating behaviors actions and practices which are in alignment with that future healing self this is something that i go into in more detail in the nurturing resilience program So Nurturing Resilience is my 12-week group program. It's a nervous system program. So although it's a nervous system program and we use somatic tools, there's a lot of somatic work and nervous system work that we learn in the program, I have integrated it with 
some of these mindset concepts because I do believe that these mindset concepts are an important part of the journey as well. So if you've listened to this podcast, you thought it was really interesting, you feel like you have more work to do in this area, and you also know that your nervous system needs more support to complement the mindset work, then I would love to invite you to join the next round of Nurturing Resilience. The next cohort at the time of recording this podcast is April 17th, Monday the 17th of April 2023. If you're listening to this podcast and that date is passed, just check out my website anamash.co.uk for more information on future dates. I am running intermittently a free nervous system workshop, which you can also attend and then get a better sense of kind of what's involved and how I work. Anyway, if you would like to join the next round of Nurturing Resilience, you can head over to my website, anamash.co.uk forward slash Nurturing Resilience, and I'll, I'll pop the link in the show notes with this podcast. And um, it's just a 12-week journey where you'll have my help and support to go into this in a lot more depth and a lot more detail, learn all the somatic practices which complement the work that we're talking about today in terms of the mindset and really create some powerful shifts in your body and in your healing journey. So that is everything from me today. I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. And until then, take care.